1 this morning, 2 Corinthians and chapter 1. I'm going to, if you don't mind, I'm going to go ahead and stay seated. Uh, it gives me a little more uh, wind, breath, and, um, and also helps me. I'm still a little hoarse, uh, so I hope that's not a distraction to you. Uh, I am getting better. I mean, uh, <laughs> praise God. When I, a few weeks ago, I couldn't even walk to the car. And yesterday, I actually went out and helped Jan get in the groceries, carry in the groceries. So I told her, don't get used to that. But <laughs> I'm enjoying my newfound strength. But I am getting better, and I praise God. Um, the, the doctor told me I was the sickest of the sick. I never heard that before. Because I haven't been that sick very much. I had what they call long COVID. It's a rare form of COVID. Most COVID you get, and, and it's, it's, you don't need hospitalization or require severe treatments, but, but uh, long COVID is when your immune system, this by understanding of it, some of you may help me with it, but your immune system overreacts to a virus or an infection. And it's like they, your white blood cells go on, they, instead of uh, treating it like uh, uh, a simple thing or an easier solution, they attack it with the United States Marines. And when you're, you get these infectious cells in your body, they come out with all guns blazing and damage. They get rid of it ultimately, but they also damage part of your, your body in the process. I told somebody the other day, I think, that long COVID means that you actually was very healthy and your, your defensive blood cell, white blood cells, came out and powerful and overdid it. So that's how you end up in the hospital and, and uh, how I became very sick. And uh, I was on the COVID floor in Louisville, Kentucky, where nobody's permitted to come or go. I couldn't even get out of bed without permission. Well, I couldn't get out of bed anyway. I was so sick. But... Uh, I was there, I was graduating from seminary after 60 years in school. <laughs> I have decided I am done with school. No more. Now I've got to find a job. I don't know what's going to happen. No, I'm just kidding on that. But by the time I got down to Louisville, I had gone to the doctor that same week and gotten a complete physical and he brought up nothing about a, there being any problems. But that, I think that was a Tuesday. By the time I got to Louisville, I was so sick. I, they had to get me in a wheelchair 
to get me up to the stage. They have this big area at the seminary and thousands of people sitting there. And they rolled me up in a wheelchair to the stage and I got up and walked across to Dr. Al Mohler. Uh, some of you may have heard of Al Mohler. He's the, uh, he's the president of the seminary and he's uh, a consummate voice of conservative Christianity today in America. And uh, highly respected in all denominations and he's the president so he was handing out the, semi the, the degrees. And when uh, I got up there, he hung on to the degree. I had it with one hand, he had it with the other hand, he started talking to me. And he was saying like, you know, we appreciate your work. We appreciate uh, your, what you've done and your persistence. And, he, and I was thinking, just let go of that degree so I can get off the stage. But I, thought, I was thinking later, man, what if I just gave Val Moeller COVID. That would be really bad. And I kept thinking, I kept look, checking the news to see if, is, is Al Moeller okay? I never did hear anything. I hope y'all didn't either. So I assume that I walked past him, talked with him a moment, moved on, and nothing else happened. Hallelujah. But two and a half weeks then I was in the hospital and <clears throat> couldn't see anybody that nobody could come visit me. Um, and the nurses were all busy. Um, and you know, uh, human contact. I actually got to the point where if a nurse just came into the room to give me a shot, I looked forward to it because I, I was needing human interaction. And if they, now they didn't talk to me, but if they just came in and did something to me, touched my arm, I looked forward to that. It's amazing how much we need each other. And if you've been isolated for two weeks, you start feeling it. Um, so uh, I'm grateful for the experiences and things God taught me. My mind kept going to this passage of Scripture where Paul has had some kind of an experience. He talks about it in verse 8. He says, we don't want you to be unaware, brothers, of our affliction we experienced in Asia. Now, generally speaking, preachers should not talk about themselves. Their, their story should be the story of Jesus. But on occasion, your story will magnify the story of Jesus. So he says to them, I don't want you to be unaware of what happened to me in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life. He thought he was going to die. Verse 9, Indeed, we felt we had received a sentence of death. 
but it was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So this experience where he thought he was going to die, what was that? And he's not specific. And I think he's not specific because he wants us to know that it can apply to us in our situations and in our circumstances. Uh, otherwise, we would read it and say, oh, well, uh, we, that's not my experience there. Well, it's, it's a general application. Some people uh, think that maybe it was one of those times when he was beaten severely. 39 times with rods from, in a, from a Jewish synagogue. And, you know, that's life-threatening. And he had it several times. Maybe he thought he was going to die. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, he says he, uh, he fought with wild beasts in Ephesus. Uh, probably an allusion to uh, the uh, Colosseums where you go in um, the governors would often put gladiators against each other or gladiators against lions and bears or sometimes just a common man, prisoner, they'd send out and just let the lion have him. And it may be that Paul had been arrested on one occasion and had been sent out and was in the midst of that Colosseum and he thought, I'm dead Sentence of death. And something happened. The lion gave up. <laughs> maybe the lion was scared of Paul. Or maybe the lion saw an angel and ran away or jumped in the stands. Whatever it was, Paul got out of it and was delivered. Uh, maybe he was just sick. Some people think it's likely he was just that he just got so sick that he thought he was going to die. Well, we don't know. But we know that it was so severe, verse 8 says, we were so burdened beyond our strength. Have you ever heard somebody say, God won't give you more than you can bear? It's probably more accurate to say, God won't give you more than you can bear as you look to him for strength. In fact, he will give you more than you can bear as a, on your own so that you will rely on God. That's what he says here. It was so that, verse 9, we received a sentence of death, but it was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. But this passage, Paul's on the other side of it. He's come out of it, and he's looking back on it, and he's writing to the Corinthian church, telling them about it. And he's got this perspective that's beautiful. He comes out, he has come out of this experience with a rich theology that I want to share with you with the remainder of my time. What he learned about God in this period and this is what this is so that we will learn about God when we go through any affliction. And uh, it's like the children of Jacob in a famine 
in Genesis 45. And they didn't want to go to Egypt. They had, because down there they had the food. But he said, we got to go to Egypt to get food. We got to go down there to get bread. So they did. And they came back with wagon loads. Man. And Jacob says, saw the wagon loads of goods that they had brought back and his soul revived. Now, when you go into a period of affliction, you can come out the other side with a wagon load of blessings, richness of theology. And now I want you to look at it here. Let's just walk through, starting in verse 3. What did Paul learn? Number one, Paul learned that God is still good in suffering. Look at it, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he's not content there. He extends it. He can't just say one thing about God. He has to say, the Father of mercies. The Father of mercies. One of the most beautiful phrases ever to come upon human lips. The Father of of mercies plural and then secondly the God of all comfort that's, that's what he came out that's how he viewed God the God of all comfort now when I was sick nurses would come in and do things for me change sheets bring food those were comforts. But you know what is behind comforts? All comforts. The God of all comfort sent those nurses, prepared that food, made sure I, it got to me. And it was a mercy because it's undeserved. When I got home, my children had, had uh, painted a beautiful bedroom for me and the church had taken up an offering for me. Did y'all participate in this or was it just all Bristol Road? We ought to do that before you leave today. I'm, I'm still in the receiving. No, I'm just kidding. But, by the way, all of my children are here today. Hallelujah. All under same one roof. Praising God together means so much. That's a comfort. But guess what? He's the God of all comfort. If it's a comfort, He's the source. That's just the stream of the fountain that flowed to me. The God of all comfort. Pastors in the state of Michigan sent me a $3,000 check for medical expenses. I didn't even know they knew who I was. And Jan, my wife, tried to kiss me. What's going on? <laughs> What's behind it? God. God puts it in your wife's heart to kiss you. Amen. Amen. So, so what do you do when your wife won't kiss you? You go to prayer. 
<laughs> Turn to prayer. I've gotten, I'm getting off on that too much. <clears throat> but here's, the, here's what Paul said. I learned in my suffering that God is still good. He's a God of mercies. He's the God of all comfort. He's so wonderful, so beautiful. I love Him. Number two, he also learned that God is still teaching him, still preparing him. In Look at the next verse, verse 4. He comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort others who are in any affliction. God was preparing Paul in Paul's suffering to be an enabler for other people in their suffering. God raises up these people who have suffered so that their testimony and their suffering becomes a model and an example and a blessing to other people. Your affliction is not about you. It's about others that he's going to bring into your path at some point in the future. Paul realized, wait a minute, this wasn't just about me. He is, verse 4, he comforts us in all our affliction so we can comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And he follows that theme all the way down into uh, verse 7. He says in verse 6, If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and your salvation. If we are comforted, it's for your comfort. <coughs> Third, he also saw that God still delivers even when you've lost hope. Look at verse 8 and 9. We do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. We were so utterly burdened beyond our strength. We despaired of life. Verse 9. We felt we had received a sentence of death, but it made us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Verse 10. And He delivered us. He delivered us from a deadly peril and He will still deliver us and on Him we've set our hope. Paul realized God delivers even when we've lost hope and think we're the, under a sentence of death. I, Paul said, it's over. My life is done. And God delivered him. God delivered him. So here's what, God, here's what Paul learned. God delivers even when we don't believe he will. And even when we've lost hope that he will. God's still a deliverer. So I don't know where you are in that. I'm guessing there's still some hope or you wouldn't be here today. Well, I want, to know, I want you to know that I'm here to say God's a deliverer. Even if you have lost hope, He can still deliver. There is no 
sign in, the, in life, the path of life that says point of no return when you factor in God. There is no such thing as a point of no return. Not even the grave. He's the God who raises the dead. So what do you need today? Don't give up on that. And then number four, look at verse 11. It's a, this beautiful statement. You also, and this is a, a participle, an G word, you also helping us by prayer, verse 11, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Now, I do not take, I do not think my suffering gets anywhere close to Paul. I want you all to realize that, understand that. I'm not comparing myself with Paul. I'm not even in the same atmosphere, stratosphere as Paul. But afflictions are similar, even though different in degree. And and what the apostle says here is you helping, you are helping us through prayer. The Corinthian church, which isn't exactly got a great uh, reputation. Sometimes I think we start losing confidence in asking people to pray for us. Don't do it. Look again at verse 11. You are helping us by prayer. So many now give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted through the prayers of many. Get a bunch of people praying. The blessing can be granted through the praying people. Whenever you start doubting it, go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11. So Paul has this magnificent low, which God turned into a seminary for him, where he learned so much about God. That's where you learn about God, is in pain. And, and he learned that God is still good, even when you're hurting He learned that God is still teaching you even when you're suffering. And he learned that God is still a deliverer even when you've lost hope. And he he learned that God answers the prayers of his people. That's what Paul learned. Man, that's quite a schoolroom, Paul. Thank you for sharing it. Last week, we we had a prayer meeting here on... Saturday nights at 8 o'clock. So Saturday nights, 8 o'clock, I was headed over here to church. And, you know, that's when, that's, that's when it rained so hard. Do y'all remember that? It rained really hard and tornadoes were going through. And, and uh, Jan called to, to check on the house. Um, I said, did you want to check on me while you're calling? Yeah, yeah, you okay? Yeah, I'm in the house, so we're good. And I was, I was headed down here and came to the 
railroad tracks. You know, where it dips and water runs down and it makes a little pool. And it get, when, as hard as it rained, it was deep. And there were two or three cars ahead of me. And <clears throat> you, one car turned and went to the right up a side road. And everybody was stopped. And this car, two, up, two cars up, <clears throat> decided to go, to go on and risk it. He went through it. Second car saw that first car, <clears throat> went right through it. I thought, okay then. <laughs> so I drove up slowly, and I drove right through it. I did. I didn't have to turn and go way around and waste time. I just went right through the waters. They weren't too deep. You know what? I, I was thinking about this. Why did I do that? I probably wouldn't have done it before. But I saw someone ahead of me go through those waters. And they weren't too deep. And this is what Paul has done for us. You can come out the other side with the riches of grace and blessing of God. Having learned some things you can never learn either in school or in life. You learn it in suffering. So that's where we are. And Paul has given us a wonderful model for which we're thankful today. Ushers, you prepare to come and let's worship with our giving. Uh, Bud, lead us in a final song and let me pray for us as they come. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, thank you for the life of Paul and for what he learned in his suffering and for how we can learn it as well. Thank you that you who raised the dead as proven through Jesus Christ can help us this day no matter what spiritual condition we're in, lost or saved, you can raise us up, O oh God. And it is in you today that we put our hope in Jesus' name. Amen. Blessing to y'all this morning and sing on. Elizabeth and Michelle lead us.
and their children and their children's children. 